Today on Blue 58, our position-by-position analysis turns to quarterbacks, and there are a couple of elephants in that particular room. What does this position group look like in 2023? And most importantly of all, when will the Packers finally turn things over to Danny Etling? Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. I'm particularly happy to be with you for this one because we're finally starting to look at actual players. We've looked at the organization from the top down. We've looked at Brian Gutekunst. We've looked at Matt LaFleur. Now it's time to start looking at players. And I figured the most logical place to do this was with quarterbacks because there's a little bit going on with the Packers quarterbacks right now. So we need to start with Danny Etling. It's a joke a little bit, but also how we're going to do this when we look at any position, we're going to look at the least snaps played to the most snaps played. So get out some of the low roster guys first, and then we'll spend the bulk of our time on guys who actually played or figured to play more for the Packers in the future. Etling was on the practice squad all year, didn't play a single snap in a game. I don't think he ever actually made it to the 53-man roster uh, this year. Expectations were extremely low for him this year and basically played out as expected. He was their third quarterback all season long. I thought they were ultimately going to go with somebody who was more of a traditional quarterback, uh, less of a runner, more of a thrower. But Etling hangs on all season long. He's a good athlete. What comes next year for Etling? Uh, not to be too glib about another man's uh, professional prospects, but who knows and or cares at this point because the Packers have some significantly other, uh, some significant other issues at quarterback to talk about. And that process really starts with Jordan Love. Love played 26 snaps for the Packers in 2022. 10 snaps, the high against the Eagles. Overall, if, if I had to guess... 26 would have been lower than I would have thought. I thought he would have played more like 45 or 50 this year, just looking at, at how much he was in those games. But the Eagles game, 10 snaps was was all he played. It seemed like he was out there a lot, but no, that was that was it. Threw the ball on nine of those 10 snaps. Um, overall, his stats end up being 14 of 21 for 195 yards and a touchdown. He did have a touchdown that kind of ended up left out on the field because uh, – a bit of a mix-up with Randall Cobb in the end zone against the against the Eagles there. But in that particular game, Jordan Love looked about as good as you could have imagined him looking. Expectations-wise, we set the bar at the start of the season on wanting him to play well in the preseason. And I think he was basically there. He looked like he had made some strides. You always want it to look like there's a, a fantastic future MVP out there. But I, I can't really come up with any complaints with how Love played in 2022. Preseason, regular season, it looked pretty good. And I think you have to temper that a little bit with the circumstances in which he finds himself. He played in the preseason, sure, but even even if he was good, it probably there's a ceiling on how good you can be there because of the people who are around you. Offensive line, receivers, so on and so forth. It's not a perfect situation. And even if it's close to perfect on offense. We talked about complimentary football a couple episodes ago. You're not going to be getting put in the best possible situations because your first team defense isn't out there either. I think overall, it looks like he's right on track, given the circumstances around him. He hasn't played all that much, 
I mean, there's been much made about the OTA reps that he gets because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. What are those really worth? It It's great that he's getting them, but he hasn't really been able to do all that much. In training camp, he's not getting many first-team reps, though more than a backup quarterback usually would because of how much the Packers tend to rest Aaron Rodgers during the during the preseason. But he really hasn't, other than the Chiefs game in 2021, gotten a chance to prep for a game to be the starting quarterback. You could argue that he probably got something similar to that in Week 18 in 2021, but then you fall into the preseason problem again. Who is really playing around him? Packers didn't have Aaron Jones for that game or, or didn't put him out there. David Bakhtiari ends up exiting that game. Josh Myers ends up exiting that game. Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the list goes on and on. The, 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 the group of players with which he was trying to move the ball against the Detroit Lions, even if he didn't move it particularly well, was not, they weren't the Packers' first string. Okay, I think he looked better in 2022 than he did as a second-year player. And beyond that, what we really know about him is kind of up in the air because we really haven't had all that time, that much time with him. Uh, Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company recently put together a compilation of all of Love's throws from 2022 preseason, regular season, maybe just regular season, I'm not sure, or maybe it's just all of the throws that he's ever made. The point is, it's an extended look at Jordan Love. It's about two minutes long, every throw that he's made that really matters. I think you can see a progression from a player that's got physical tools but doesn't know how to be an NFL quarterback toward okay, I think I know where I fit in on the field as a player. He looks better. My other takeaway from the video is that it's going to be fun to watch Jordan Love just because of how different he looks physically than Aaron Rodgers and really a lot of other NFL quarterbacks. Jordan Love, and this is really nothing to do with his physical abilities, but he looks like he's all arms and legs. He's he's so His limbs are so long. It's just funny to look at, not that he's funny looking, but it's it's funny in comparison to Rodgers, a very compact kind of guy. Love is long and bendy. He's like some of those really, maybe this is a dated reference, but like uh, Barry Zito or Tim Lincecum, the, the, the Major League Baseball pitchers, great like breaking ball pitchers just because they had such bendy limbs. And sometimes you see that with baseball players. They've just got arms that can do things that other guys can't because they're proportion different. I don't know if that's the case for Love, but he looks significantly different than Rodgers on the field. And that's kind of a fun thing to think about if you look at, at Love's future. It will get a different experience with him at quarterback than he would at, with Rodgers if he ends up being the, the starting quarterback in 2023 or 2024 or beyond. So what comes next year? That is half of the million-dollar question right now, isn't it? If you put my feet to the fire, and we're going to do that hypothetically here with both Love and Rodgers, I think as of right now, Love has a better chance of being on the roster in 2023 than Rodgers. But I don't know if that's as much of a hot take as it might sound. Rodgers is openly contemplating retirement. He and the Packers apparently have had some conversations about whether or not he's a part of the 2023 Packers or 2024 Packers or whatever. He's talking about the possibility of moving on. It doesn't mean it's likely, 
but there's at least a non-zero chance that he's, he's going to move on. Outside of something really unusual happening, I think Love is basically locked in for 2023. He can say, I would like to be traded, and I wouldn't blame him if the Packers are like, no, we're committing to Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable future, 2023, maybe 2024. Who knows? Maybe it's 2025 before we move on from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they'll say that. But if they give him that message, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to to try to move on because, as we've talked about before, you're starting to get into the territory where Jordan Love is losing money because he's not getting a chance to show what he can do. Had he been a starting quarterback to this point, he'd already be hitting the territory where he could get a big contract extension. And if he was playing like an elite quarterback, the elite quarterback, it should be noted, that the Packers believe he can be or have said that they think he can be, dating back to the time he was drafted, uh, he would be looking at a lot of money. And you're also looking at timing being an issue there because if he gets into their contract now – Three, four years from now, he's going to get another one. And then three or four years from then, he's hopefully, you would think, going to get another one after that. If he doesn't get that, start that clock until, what is it going to be now, 2024, 2025, everything else moves back a year. There are real consequences financially to him not getting on the field right now. But outside of that, Love is going to be with the Packers in 2023. He's affordable. They don't really have a good reason to trade him, and there's very little he can do to force their hand. You can make a big stink and make it a public relations issue, but that also hurts you a little bit. What are you really going to do to force your way out of Green Bay? So I think Love is going to be here in 2023. Will he be the starting quarterback? Well, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers played 1,068 snaps in 2022. 97.62% of the Packers' offensive snaps, the second most on the team behind Josh Myers. His stats-wise, we don't have to go into exactly what all of his numbers are. It gets, the same picture comes up if you look at the advanced numbers, if you look at the raw box score numbers. It wasn't a great year for Rodgers. His completion percentage was the lowest it's been since 2018. His overall yards were the lowest in any season of his as a full starter. The touchdowns, passing touchdowns, 26 fewest since 2019 when he also had 26. Not necessarily a bad number. Uh, Not necessarily the the MVP caliber, caliber stuff that we've seen before. Passer rating was the lowest it's been in any season since he became the starter. His QBR, ESPN's version of the the passer rating, uh, was 39.3, the lowest in any season. You, you get it. Uh, We could go on, but you get the impression. It was, to say the least, a down year. And it wasn't something that I think we can say, regardless of the reasons why, it wasn't something that lived up to our expectations for him. Because the expectations for Rodgers were high coming into this year, and there, there were a number of reasons for that. For starters, he won the MVP the last two years. You would think with the contract the Packers gave him that they would want him to continue that MVP caliber play because they think they're going to build around Rodgers at least in 2023, perhaps in 20 or in 2022, and perhaps in 2023 as well. So the idea was you're going to continue to to play at a high level, integrate with these new wide receivers, and then the one that we said last year: don't be the reason the Packers lose in the playoffs. Now, they didn't even get to the playoffs, but I think you could really say that Rodgers not playing well in Week 18 was a big reason the Packers got knocked out, essentially, of the playoffs. 
I thought Rodgers was going to have a better year than this. I thought he would do much better statistically. All our predictions for him, and we'll review predictions at some point, called for higher higher passing numbers. Uh, just, a, just a better season. And not to put too fine a point on it, but it wasn't a good year. It was a bad year for Rodgers. The big question, though, is why? Why did it happen? And I think there's really two options. Is it because he's done as a player or kind of the everything else option? He was hurt. He had a bad offensive line early. He had bad receivers for most of the, the first half of the season. That if, even if you don't like the word bad, the receiving core was unsettled for the first half of the season. Really, weeks one through nine, it was not, not really a settled position. Let's talk about the first option first. Is Aaron Rodgers washed up? Is he washed in the common parlance? I think decline is a very real possibility, but I also think we have to recognize that this kind of decline would be close to unprecedented. Just the way that Rodgers performed this year really doesn't align with previous declines in year-to-year performance from guys who have performed really well. Ben Baldwin of The Athletic uh, analyzes, or is, is he's a stats guy. He, he uses advanced stats to sort through the game of football. And he recently offered up some, some data on the correlation between certain numbers and a player's performance the next year. How strong a correlation is there between certain stats and continuing to perform at a high level the next year? The highest correlation stats are CPOE plus EPA, which is completion percentage over expectation and expected points added. Basically, how accurately are you throwing the ball relative to the difficulty of your throws and how consistently are you moving the ball for your team? Adjusted EPA per play, there's some additional factors that go into that one, but basically, again, it's about how well you're moving the ball for your team. EPA per play, same thing. CPOE, we've covered that. Pro Football Focus's offense grade has a strong correlation year-to-year. ESPN's QBR metric has a strong correlation year-to-year. Adjusted yards per attempt, which is a version of a stat that we use pretty regularly on this show, has a a strong correlation. Sports Information Solutions total points per play, which we've talked about way in the past, but it's it's a pretty good metric. It's difficult to use because of how they present it, so we don't talk about it a whole lot on this show, but it also has a pretty strong correlation from year to year. And finally, just the simple box score stat touchdown to interception ratio. Those all correlate really strongly. If they're good one year, chances are a guy is going to be good the next year. And I bring those numbers up because there was really no reason in 2021 to expect Aaron Rodgers to be like this in 2022. Here's why. Aaron Rodgers for 2021 was the best in the NFL by a fairly significant margin in CPOE plus EPA. He was the best in the NFL in adjusted EPA per play. He was the best in the NFL in raw EPA per play. He was the second best in the NFL in CPOE. Resigning him just wasn't a crazy thing to do. He was, for all intents and purposes, a quarterback you could expect to play at a high level in 2022. Continuing down the rest of the list, 
third highest graded passer by Pro Football Focus. He was first in QBR in 2021, second in adjusted yards per attempt, fifth in total points. I don't know about the per play issue of that, but he was he was up there. He was high. Uh, and first in interception percentage, and that corresponds with a very strong touchdown-to-interception ratio. In short, there was really no reason for the Packers to expect him to decline in 2022, especially not to the level that he did. And for those reasons, and, and for some others, I think there's a real possibility that we were not seeing a washed-up Aaron Rodgers in 2022. Looking at the other category of issues, these were some very real problems. Let's look at the receivers to, to start. Sammy Watkins was not a good player at really any point this year. He had one good game against the Bears. Wow, great for you. The Bears were bad. Uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs were essentially hurt for the first half uh, and second half of the year, respectively. And with respect to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, there was just not much else there. You've got Lazard, who showed this year that he can be a good, I think, second or third receiver, but is never going to carry a receiving core. Randall Cobb, who only arrived in Green Bay to be a complimentary piece. And then beyond that, you've got Robert Tunyon coming off an ACL injury. That's your receiving core outside of Watkins, Watson, and Dobbs. Terrific bunch there, obviously. That is a real problem. And Roger's thumb was a problem, too. I think it was significantly more of a problem than he let on really at any point, and he probably should have sat for a week or two following the Giants game. That is on Rodgers. That is on Matt LaFleur. That is on pretty much everybody involved with that situation. I am surprised, given the way that it seemed to hamper his play, that the medical staff would even even let him go out there. We've talked this to death at other points. He probably should have been sitting down. I tend to think it's more the second thing than the first thing. There, There is, some, I think, some evidence of age-related decline, but I don't know how you can separate it out accurately from all of the other issues and say definitively that Rodgers is going to, was going to be bad in 2022, irrespective of everything else, or that he'll continue to be that version of the player in 2023. The problem is he is still getting to be old as a quarterback. He is old as a quarterback. And at some point, real, real decline is going to come. You just can't continue to be the 2021 or 2020 version of Aaron Rodgers forever. It's just not going to happen. So what comes next year? For his part, Aaron Rodgers is still thinking about it. And despite what you may have read or heard about Aaron Rodgers' only wanting to come back to win MVP, he wants to come back to win a Super Bowl. And we know that because that is what he says. On Pat McAfee's show on January 17th, Aaron Rodgers, in breaking down in an extensive breakdown of his future with, with McAfee, said that he only wants to come back to the Packers if he thinks they can be Super Bowl contenders. Here it is. But it's a mindset. You know, if they want to go younger and, and think Jordan's ready to go, then they're, then that might be the way they want to go. And if that's the case and I still want to play, then there's only one option, right? That's to play somewhere else. Um, you know, if it's not, and they, you know, like, no, no, we you know, still want you to play and, you know, this and that, then it'd have to be, uh, you know, the right situation with the roster. It looks like we can, we can win it all because there's no point in coming back if you don't think you can win it all. There's no point in coming back if you – think he can't win at all. That's his goal for coming back. He wants to think that the Packers or wherever he plays are capable of winning a Super Bowl. When he said his remark about thinking he can win MVP next year, 
that was in an assessment of his capabilities, not in his goals for 2020. Rob Gronkowski got that wrong. Mike Florio got that wrong. Numerous other people have gotten that wrong. It's not a very complicated thing, but I guess when you're trying to drive outrage and clicks and, and engagement, getting things wrong on purpose is something that you can do. As to the rest of the picture for next year, there are some people who seem to be at least presenting the idea that the Packers and Rodgers are going to move on. Let's take it in some before we break down exactly what it means. On January 18th, Adam Schefter tells uh, ESPN Milwaukee that he thinks a trade is on the table and Aaron Rodgers not returning to the Packers in 2023 is, quote, the most likely option. On January 21, he repeats that, I guess, in a softer form on ESPN's postseason NFL countdown. Here's the audio. Both sides are fully aware that a trade is a very real scenario this offseason for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are expected to move on from certain players, which Aaron Rodgers probably will not like. The issue here will be the $110 million left on his contract and which team could afford it. But there is a real possibility that at some point this offseason, Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. Okay, that that sort of line of thinking comes up again a couple days later. Ian Rappaport appears on Pat McAfee's show on January 23rd. He breaks down some of the ins and outs here as well. Because of the way his contract is structured, it, a trade is possible. It's, it's like you can do it financially. You can come up with the compensation. I think Green Bay likes what they have in Jordan Love. So, like, if they got the right package, I think they could do a deal. It would be $60 million for one season somebody would pay him. That is what he's on the books for cash next year. So if you trade for – let's say you're the Jets. Let's say you're the Jets and you're like, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to go all in. We're trading for Aaron Rodgers. You're going to be trading for a quarterback you're giving up a first-rounder for, I'm sure, probably more, and pay $60 million, which would be by far the highest-paid quarterback. So a couple things here. Both – Schefter and Rappaport say Rodgers getting traded is a possibility. Schefter even goes so far as to say it's a very real possibility. What does that actually mean? Well, not all that much. I, you can see if you take it all together, Rodgers talking about the possibility of playing elsewhere, Schefter talking about it being a real possibility, Rappaport saying the same thing. You can see maybe a little smoke here. You can see some people perhaps trial ballooning this and saying, well, if we put it out there that it's a possibility that he may play elsewhere or want to play elsewhere, what happens to us as a result? Maybe somebody comes to us and makes a, a trade offer. Maybe somebody comes to my agent and says, hey, how, how committed to the idea of playing elsewhere are you for 2023? Can we go talk to your team about that? You see how that might, might add up. But Everybody getting traded is a real possibility. Anybody pretty much can be traded at any time. So just saying, yeah, it's a possibility is not, it's kind of a, a headline posing as a story. Sure, it's possible. It's possible that Aaron Rodgers could step outside and get hit by a meteorite tomorrow. It's possible that Aaron Rodgers, maybe this is a more realistic possibility than we'd admit, is just going to announce that he wants to go on a long spiritual journey from 2023 to who knows when. And he's going to quit all of Western society and move up to the, you know, move to Nepal or something. That is a possibility. Maybe it's a very real possibility. You couch it that way, anything is on the table. So I, I don't put a ton of stock in that, that it keeps coming up in guys that 
have some connections, are at least floating it, I don't think we can ignore it. I don't think you should put a lot of stock into it either. The other thing is about the contract. And this is something that's been a little bit stuck in my craw the last week or so. But people keep throwing out the number that Aaron Rodgers is going to cost $60 million, $59 million, $50 million next year. And I just want to I, – I cannot put a fine enough point on that. That doesn't matter. Listen to me very carefully. It does not matter what Aaron Rodgers is going to get – paid in terms of cash next year. Salaries are paid by the NFL revenue sharing deal. They're paid basically by what teams are getting from the TV deals. Everyone can afford to pay Aaron Rodgers. Teams affording it is not a problem. Stop bringing that up. It's not a thing. Cash flow might be an issue for some really strapped teams. That's something that came up with the with the Raiders and Khalil Mack a couple of years ago because they didn't know if they had the cash on hand because Mark Davis is cash poor. He only has assets, not cash. They didn't know if they could pay Khalil Mack $110 million in one go because that's what they were going to have to do or at least put that in trust. So they had the money on hand to pay him the bonus. Okay, if that's the level you're going to break it down, fine, if you want to go that far. But just purely affording it is not the issue. The only thing that matters as far as Rodgers' cap situation and, and cash situation and what he's going to cost a team is his cap hit. Rodgers is going to only count $31.6 million against the cap in 2023. That is the base fact. He's going to get $60 million, technically $59,515,000 for 2023 in cash flow because of bonuses and stuff like that. But in terms of the cap hit, it's only $31.6 million, which is very very affordable. He's not going to be the highest paid quarterback in terms of cap hit next year. He's not even going to be close to some of the highest paid guys in terms of cap hit. He's not going to hurt teams' caps as much as some of these other guys. Just for instance, Patrick Mahomes next year is going to count $46 million against the Chiefs cap and will count $44 million and $46 million and $41 million and then $59 million for the next four seasons after that. Big cap hits coming. The cap is going to go up, but big cap cap hits coming. He's not going to get the same cash flow. He's going to be more costly to have on the team from a cap perspective than Rodgers by a long way. Deshaun Watson, $54 million cap hit next year. $54 million cap hit in 2024. 54 and 54 in 25 and 26. Cash flow, lower than Rodgers. Cap hit, much worse than Rodgers. And just for the cap cash flow issue, if you really want to go down that, that road, what did Matthew Stafford get in cash this year? He got $61.5 million this year. He won a Super Bowl in 2021, but in 2022, nine games paid $61 million in cash. You don't see that coming up ever. Nobody is complaining about the cash flow for Matthew Stafford. It's just not a problem. It's only a problem if you want to make up something to be concerned about, about teams taking on Aaron Rodgers. So what's it going to be? What is it going to be for Rodgers in 2023? As of right now, as of today, it's January 25th, 2023. My gut level feeling is that he's not going to be a member of the 2023 Packers. And I'm maybe at like 55% on this. 
55-45, go versus stay. It does seem to be that Rodgers and others are floating the idea, at least, of playing elsewhere. Everybody wants to see what other sides are going to do. They're still working through some things on both sides, both Rodgers and the Packers. But I don't think any any ultimate decision here is going to be a surprise to Rodgers or the Packers because I think both sides have basically gamed this out already, which isn't all that hard to do. You've got cap scenarios if Rodgers stays. You've got cap scenarios if Rodgers goes. You've got plans for love. You've got, you know, you've got plans for everybody. It's not going to catch either side really by surprise unless something like Rodgers retiring happens and then unretiring because then things do get complicated from a, a cap perspective because his money comes off the books in a way, but then it could come back on and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that is going to be a real, realistic possibility. Here's why I don't think Rodgers, as of right now, and I, I want to put the caveats on there. It's January 25th. we got a long way to go. It's going to be almost the middle of March before the league year starts. Rodgers wants things sorted out by then. At least he says he does. Okay, it's, it's going to be a ways, is my point. So right now, we're pretty early in the process. But as of right now, I think this way for a few reasons. First, it's not easy but not impossible to trade him. If you want to move on from Aaron Rodgers and get something for him via trade, you can. You can do it. It's not an impossibility, as I think many people have led us to believe. It's not an unmovable contract. Secondly, I think as far as 2023 goes, I think the Packers are farther away from being contenders than they will admit publicly, and I think that they know this. If you look at 2022 as a run back of 2021, the defense is not there yet, and I don't know if it's going to be there, but they're bringing essentially the same unit back for 2022 and the same, or for 2023 and the same coordinator. The offense, I think, still needs quite a bit of help. They, you need at least, I think, one more receiver. You need another tight end, and you need to figure out what you're doing with Aaron Jones. Is he really going to be part of a contender in 2023, uh, given his cap situation? I think the Packers, all of that together puts the Packers a little bit further away than they would admit publicly, even though they're saying all the right things about wanting to win a Super Bowl next year. Thirdly, Rodgers only wants to come back to a contender. And if the Packers are willing to privately admit that they are not as close to being contenders as they say publicly, then they're already on the same page as Rodgers because Rodgers, again, doesn't want to play for a team that isn't going to be a contender. And finally, if you're not going to be a contender, the thing to do is to jettison costs. So who is the biggest cost to the Packers? I know cap-wise, we've just said that he's fairly affordable. But if you're looking to free up things so you can be ready to uh, add more pieces in, say, 2024, what do you have to do now? You've got to start clearing your books so that's a possibility. And that, when it comes to Rodgers, means that the sensible thing to do would be to move on. You've also got the questions about age. You've also got the questions about love. Just from a Rodgers perspective, though, and looking at the rest of the roster around him, I think you can pretty easily come to a conclusion where you say, it's best for both of us to move on here. We got to just move on and say, we tried, it didn't work. And I don't think that's a huge amount of egg on the face for either side there. Uh, 
the contract he signed last spring was, I think, more a reflection on what happened in 21 and 20 than what they're going to do in 2022 and 2023. And if, if you look at it, if they're trying to get out now, they can still get out with, I would say, fairly minimal damage given the contract that they signed him to. I th- I think as a result, it is it is fairly likely that he still gets traded. It's a put it this way: it's a real possibility that he gets traded, and I think it it would make sense for both sides to move on at this point. Now, if they don't trade him, they can still be competitive. I think in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three, they can still be a team that wins maybe ten to twelve games, and I I think that because with a better year from Rodgers in twenty twenty two, the Packers are a I think 10 to 12 win team, not necessarily a good team. We saw all year long that from the Vikings that you can win a lot of games and not necessarily be a sound team top to, bo- or top to bottom. But look, a healthy Aaron Rodgers and a fully operational receiving core, maybe not even the second part, but, but the first part, a healthy Rodgers, I think, swings at least three games, maybe four. You've got the Giants game. You got the Commanders game, you got the first Lions game, and then maybe one each of the Jets and second Lions game. Now the the first the Giants game is not necessarily on Rodgers not being healthy. There were some other issues in that game uh, that resulted in, in the offense not playing particularly well. If you want to say it, it was on Rodgers, yeah, I, I I buy that. But they also again didn't really have their offense figured out at that point either. But they lost the the Giants, Commanders, and first Lions game by a combined total of 11 points. You think a Rodgers with a, a functional right thumb could make up another 11 points, uh, even laying aside the Giants game, a, a, another six points or whatever it ends up being, six, eight points? The Giants game in particular does stand out if he plays better in that one because look at the second drive. Either they couldn't sustain it or they couldn't finish it. They've got a seven-play, 46-yard drive. They've got a three-play, zero-yard drive. And then they've got a 14-play, 69-yard drive that ends with a turnover on downs because the Packers can't get their RPO game figured out in the red zone. They got seven. They needed seven points. They couldn't get it. And they end up five points short in that, short in that one because of a, a late safety by the Giants in a, a clock training situation. Uh, a better performance by Rodgers in 2022, I think, swings those games. And you just add three games to their win total and you're already up to 11. You're in the playoffs. Four games gets you to 12 and five. You're in the playoffs there too and contending for a fairly high seed at that point. I think there there is a story the Packers can tell themselves that Look, if Rodgers plays, what is it, 10% better in 2022, we might be a playoff team. And maybe we chalk that 10% up to some real unrest early in the season and then a broken thumb. We're not that far away. I would disagree with that. I would say, you know, you can win 12 games and still not be a good team. I think that's probably where the Packers would have been had they ended up winning, you know, in that neighborhood of 10 to 12 games. And I think that's why they should try to try to do something different for, for 2023 and beyond. And it, it extends beyond Aaron Rodgers, for that matter. I mean, you've got to do a little bit more to get some playmakers on offense. You've got to settle down whatever's going on on defense, and you've got to figure out who is the guy who's going to be at the center of it all for sure. But I think that's something they could legitimately tell themselves, that we, we weren't really that far away. I'll end this discussion with this. <clears throat> 
whatever the Packers do, they have to avoid the sunk cost. Sticking with a decision you've made because you made the decision already is a bad way to go about living. And it's a bad way to build a football team. The sunk cost fallacy is something I've come back to on this show again and again and again. The most notable example, I think, uh, comes in the 2017 season when Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone and Mike McCarthy stands up and says, well, we're not going to make a change at quarterback from Brett Hundley because I've got three years into him and I've got three years into Joe Callahan. That is the epitome of bad decision-making because it turns out that Brett Hundley couldn't do the job The Packers were just committed to trying to make it work with Brett Hundley. Now, did they really have other options? I think probably not. But you can't just stick with the decision because you already made the decision. The thing that comes up again and again and again uh, when you look at the sunk cost fallacy is is an example of going to a movie. Say you buy tickets to a movie. You spend 20 bucks, whatever it is, on on going to the movies, uh, 50 bucks, whatever. And you sit down and you can tell in the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie that this thing is a stinker. It's not going to be any good. What is the right decision to make? Do you sit there and say, well, I already spent 50 bucks on this. I'm going to sit here for the next hour and a half, two hours, whatever it ends up being, and hope it gets better, even though I know it's probably not, or I can leave and do something else. From a resource allocation perspective, leaving and doing something else is the smart thing to do you're not going to get any more value out of that 50 bucks. It's not coming back. So you might as well make a better decision going forward. That's where the Packers find themselves, I think, with both Rodgers and Love. You can't say, well, we already gave them all this money. We've got to stick with it in 2023 because, well, maybe there's more money coming, sure, but um, we got to stick with it because we already made that decision. No, you don't. If there's an out and it's the right thing to do and you don't think it's going to get any better, the right thing to do is to move on. The same things goes for love. You can't just say, well, we've sunk three years into love. We can't give up on him now. Sure you can. You, and you should if you don't think he's going to be a part of your future. You can't just say we spent a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick and three years trying to figure things out with Jordan Love. We can't move on now. Well, if you don't think he's part of your present or future, you should move on now. And putting them both together... You can't make decisions about Aaron Rodgers because of what you've done with Jordan Love, and I don't think you can make decisions about Jordan Love because of decisions you make with with Aaron Rodgers. Don't basically throw good money after bad. If you say those decisions were bad ones, don't continue to let the bad decisions impact your team. If you think that it was still the right choice, all right, stay the course then. But just don't get stuck saying, we did this thing in the past, we've got to stick with it just because we did this thing in the past. Because that is a sure way to get yourself in really, really significant trouble moving forward. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.